Hello, Heron. Hello, Tom. So I have a few kind of meandering topics. We have a couple of listener-submitted topics. Is there anything you'd like to raise? Well, I've been recently uh, reading, for the first time, actually, the autobiography of a yoga, or of a yogi, mm-hmm. right? Par- Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been aware of him for ever, but never paid much attention to him. Uh, but in reading his biography, there are a couple of stories about his guru. And I've read these things other places, too, of these miraculous things, you know, like mm. being in two places at once. Mm. You know. You've never been in two places at once, Heron? Um... Not that, not in the, not in the manner they're talking about here. Okay. Well, describe the manner that they're talking about. Well, he went to a, when he was a a teenager, he went to a a foreign city, took a train to a foreign city, uh, and he was supposed to meet two people. One was his father's guru. Wow. And, uh, or something like that. I don't remember. Anyway, it was some guru guy he was going to see. And, uh, and then also a business, that's right, and a business partner. Of his uh, father, who worked in the in this, or, yeah, anyway, they're in the same town. Mm. He went there and he saw, and he saw the guru first, and he spent probably six hours there. Mm. Um, some of it in conversation, some of it in meditation, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, when when he was when they were done, he walked outside, and there was the guy who the other guy he was supposed to see, mm-hmm. and the other guy, his story was that he was. You know, blocks away somewhere, and th- this guru that, that that Yogananda had been sitting with for the last six hours hmm. he, uh, showed up in the in the mall, I guess, sort of like where he was, and told him that he he had to come uh, to the ashram and, uh, immediately and meet somebody, and that was the story he told Yogananda. Hmm. That's why he's there. Yes, because because the very guy he just spent six hours sitting with. Uh, sh- met him and told him to go there. And so, you know, I read that, you know, and, and I know there are a lot of people who are just bullshitters. <laughs> you know, they just make shit up. But, you know, I have a certain amount of respect. I'm assuming that Yogananda must actually believe what he's saying. Well, let's explore the point of meditation here. Because, I mean, my perspective is there are many ways of looking at this story, but I would reflect on the role that meditation played in the time at which they spent meditating. Because as a married man... I have had multiple opportunities where either I have fallen asleep, much to the amusement of my wife, or my wife has fallen asleep, or we've been concentrating on something and lost track of time. And I think there are a number of ways, without presuming any degree of supernatural, of explaining these circumstances. The other interesting Well, let me hear an explanation for this one. Well, okay, so they spent six hours together, which a certain period of time was spent meditating. Have you ever been in a meditative state where time... You lose track of time? Oh, you know, not not to that extent, no. Well, mm, I would have thought you'd spent way more time meditating than I have. I, but I certainly... have spent a considerable amount of time meditating. And but you've never lost never... track of time in that circumstance? Well, not to the extent that I'm talking about here. Not enough time for the guy to get up and leave and walk ten blocks and walk a bunch around and talk to this guy and then come back and sit down. No. I've never experienced anything like that. Wow. Mm. Well, we have different life experiences here, Aaron. And I guess clearly in the writing, it is... I would suggest see a doctor if you have... (laughs) Well, no, my perspective is actually... Well, my perspective is that I'm the normal one and you're curiously abnormal in these circumstances. Yeah. Let's return to the word here. 
Yeah. This is intended to give a degree of mysticism in the reader. This is supposed to... I have no idea what his intention is. I can't speak to his intention. Well, how is it written? um, Is it written as a parable associated with the fact that the... His father's, it's a biography. Know, he, he's, okay. he's going through what happened in his life. Hmm. It's pretty straightforward, actually, except for two or three incidents like, sort of like this, where it were just uncanny coincidences, hmm. uh, you know, in specific. I mean, it just, it's just difficult. I mean, he, my basic sense is he's just fucking making it up or he's crazy. Yeah. Or, I mean, well, that's, you know. that's, the, that's the clear, most optimal first two. But, yeah. I mean, I've had circumstances, and my wife does it far more frequently than I do, but I've had circumstances where I completely lose track of time. Well, I don't really know what that means, to lose okay, track Okay, well, let's talk time. about it. I think the longest time that I've ever lost track of is in the order of a day over a period of about two weeks of no contact and just, you know, in almost complete isolation. Yeah, well, I can understand but, that. That doesn't sound so weird. Certainly. and I mean, I often don't know the date. Yes. You know, or, or, or even what month but it let's, is. Let's talk, you know? because I think the the perception of uniqueness of a person is another way that I would attack this. I have, through my life, met people that have been visibly identical. And I, I met a woman in New York who was visibly identical to yeah. a friend that I knew in Australia, sufficient for me to take a photograph, take it back, and compare yeah. accordingly. Yeah. yeah. And I think the perception of that there exists... Or you could have an identical twin. Exactly. <laughs> Very simple. But what interests me, actually, is that our... Um, but how would he have got, gotten the information to his twin well, to go look this that. guy well, let's, up? Let's talk a little bit about phenotype because it, I find it fascinating that you can get people who are in no way genetically related that look visually identical. Well, very, very similar. Let's just leave it at well, that. Well, sufficient, sufficient to convince you that yeah, they are. Yeah, most people that, that yes. yeah, that is the same person. So, yeah, even, even so-called identical twins uh, often don't. Certainly. Aren't that identical, you know? Certainly. But it's because of ticks and postures and all sorts of other subtle things mm. too. You know, I mean, our frequent faces, beatings by the other twin, you know, all sorts of things yeah. like that. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, my, I guess my perspective is that mysticism here is viewed by the reader based on the reader's experience. Well, see, but I, I'm just trying to figure out whether. I mean, he, not, his language isn't mystical at all. Mm. He's, he, he, you know, it's just, this is what happened. I, I sat with this guy for six hours, talking most of the time, meditating sometimes, and, uh, and I walk out of there, and, and there's the guy, the other guy I had come to meet, and he's telling me that he had run into this guy I'd been sitting with, you know, and, who told me. It could have been a simple mistake as well. I mean, how well oh, you're does right, he, you're right. It, yeah. yeah. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. But how many kinds of coincidences like that have to happen before, I mean, to a single guy? Well, my, my experience has been that I've had certain experiences through my life that are like that, and I take them away. Sometimes they're unexplainable. Sometimes they're just kind of curious. Within a lifetime, I would hope that most people would have more than three of these things. Yeah, but the ones I've had really only leave me with questions. I yes. have no no answers for any of this shit oh, that yeah. I've experienced. Yeah, you know, it's even more curious when you're. But, I mean, but when I tell the story, though, it's pretty clear that I don't know what's going on. And what he's implying is that this guy could somehow, <laughs> you know, well, produce the effect yeah. of another person or or whatever. You know, yeah. And, 
and engineer this circumstance. And but I asked you explicitly associated with this, associated with the writing, that yeah. that impression can be, I mean, look, I could make a variety of these experiences that I've had in my life mystical. Oh, yeah. But they're mostly yeah. chuckle worthy. They're not, yeah. They don't have a profundity yeah. as this experience might have had. Well, but this, again, this is implying, I mean, if, if you just take what he says and his assumption mm. as, as being a not unreasonable way to put it into language, mm. then, then, um, you know, that's just very interesting. Does he reflect you know? on this as being a mystical experience in his No, writing? no, he just, he, uh, well, it's a little hard to figure. I mean, I, I just, I'm not sure I, I want to interpret what his intentions are. Mm. You know? uh, but what he writes explicitly, you can interpret as what he's written explicitly. I mean, there's no intention in explicitly saying, does he say, and this was an amazing coincidence because I'd just spent the past six hours with the guy. No, he didn't say that at all. Okay, he didn't say it was an amazing coincidence. He uh, well, what he does accepted. He say? Well, well, from I mean, he doesn't say. I mean, essentially, he believes, or I guess that this the guru guy could could do something like that. Could mm-hmm. produce, you know? I mean, physic physiologically, how that's done, I don't know, and I don't really give a shit. Yeah. Any way that that can be done is pretty fucking amazing. Well, that's interesting because when I was doing philosophy, I read Hume's On Miracles, which is like one of the, you know, one of the Hume treaties that is, I guess, taught to undergraduate students. And that whole premise there is in order for something to be miraculous, it needs to be pretty bloody miraculous. This doesn't strike <laughs> me as being miraculous enough to be a miracle. Oh, well. So if he stabbed oh, the guy, if he killed the guy with his bare hands, and then mysteriously his father's friend turns up and says, oh, by the way, I was just chatting with the guy that you murdered, then that's a bit more miraculous. This this is still in the realm of language, of perception. Of- well, it is in your head, anyway. <laughs> And, 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 and I, I won't quarrel with that. Then you're not the right guy. Actually, I, I wasn't, I didn't really want to take it apart. It's just, it's raised questions for me that, that I haven't really visited in quite some time. Well, let's visit these questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think I, I kind of fought against Hume's miracles when I initially, or on miracles when I initially read it, because I thought it's kind of arguing against things which are not intelligible or things which are just, like limits of perception or a variety of things that could appear miraculous to the individual. But what does it, what does it raise with you specifically, Heron? Well, actually, n- nothing in, in some sense, because, you know, since I don't actually believe anything anyway. Yeah. I mean, you, you I, seem to be the perfect guy to just completely oh, disregard this. Oh, yeah, except that you still, at least uh, you still, I still find myself getting in uh, ruts. You know, and comfortable ways of thinking about miracles, or about anything. Mm. You know, just the ways I've got of, about of thinking about things these days works, work pretty well for me. Mm. You know? I'm comfortable. <laughs> I don't really feel a need to change my way of thinking about much of anything. Although I understand that I don't know shit. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, if it just in the process of reading this, it, it. I mean, I've read this kind of stuff before, and I've always just dismissed it as just bullshit. Hmm. You know, just, I mean, basically, I would probably have stopped reading when I get to the first one of these kinds of incidents. Hmm. What are the other examples that he cites? Going, well, coincidences again, you know, a series of bizarre coincidences. I don't want, it's too long to get into, but, Hmm. but I mean, a series of coincidences in a foreign city again on a mission to do something. Yeah. I mean, imagine the yogi had a twin and an identical twin. 
No, this, uh, no, but this, these other things didn't involve this yogi. I mean, these are other things that have happened. But again, I would say, within my lifetime, I could probably write down on a piece of paper at least, well, actually, the more I think about it, the more I think of. It seems very curious to me that you haven't had these kind of experiences. Um, not well, these kinds of experiences. I, I really don't know what his experience is. All I have is, is talk about it. Okay. Well, you know, the experience itself is not available to me. Well, no, I'm not saying that you, this primary thing that you're referring to is available to you, but if you had circumstances in your life where when, in fact, we talked about this maybe three or four recordings ago, that I think it's important for people, particularly and as a kind of advanced gendo topic, to look in their own lives and find these curious inconsistencies which show, firstly, anomalies of language, but secondly, anomalies of thinking about things, particularly associated with the past, that create these kind of coincidences, for want of a better term. I mean, in my own life, the one that comes to mind immediately, because I thought about it recently, is my wife and I watched, before we went to Vegas, in fact, I've got a series of these, but I'll tell this one. Before we went to Vegas, one of the programs that we watched that familiarized us with Vegas and made us feel a little bit better because I'd never been to Vegas previously and we were living in the pastoral, you know, parts of the UK, absolutely beautiful, considering going to this neon city, was a program associated with a used car salesman who was particularly flamboyant. And when we came to Vegas, having lived in the UK, we went and tried to buy a car with this used car salesman. And I tell the story that, you know, we had this familiar experience. Well, as you, the problem is none of that could have happened aside from going to the youth car salesman because the program we remember watching, and this is my wife and I in the UK, wasn't aired until after we left the UK. In fact, it was aired around the same time we mm. went into the used car salesman. So something is wrong there. And my oh, wife yeah, and I both yeah. have the same memory associated yeah. with this. No, I've had some, you know, there have been a number of those kinds of exactly. incidents in my life. But th those, you know, I don't know. I, I can dismiss those relatively easily. This uh, it doesn't get dismissed as easily, and I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's just because the others are more common. <laughs> when I was in my teenage years, I had an extended conversation with my childhood friend who came to stay with me associated with a musical group. We had a number of discussions associated with this musical group that was kind of jazz group. And when I met with him, you know, a few years afterwards, he denied any knowledge of ever, us ever discussing this musical group, which was very <laughs> curious because we'd had a long discussion. Yeah. I then, through another childhood friend, realized that I had probably had the discussion with him associated with the musical group because I completely transcribed my friends in the conversation. <laughs> I mean, the brain yeah. is capable oh, of yeah. amazing oh, thoughts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. You don't have to convince me yeah. of that. I know. We live in our own fantasy. The difference is that this author has not done that process associated with this story, which I'm understanding from what you're saying occurred many years prior to his writing the book. Oh, yeah, when he was, like, 15 years old. Exactly. You know, and he was, like, yeah. 50 when he wrote this Exactly. So within that period of time, narratives create themselves that where there is no primary memory here. It's just a series of stories that well, he's Well, I'm well aware of that. Exactly. You know, a bunch of stories that I tell that exactly. all I have is the we stories. We've talked about yeah. it previously. Yeah. Yeah. This is right. clearly yeah. the same thing. Ah, well, it's not clearly the same thing but it's a it's a good point to make though. yes it, it's um <laughs> it's almost yeah. it's clearly to me maybe not quite as clearly to you but i guess my perspective is well it doesn't make any difference for me what yeah. it is for you exactly. <laughs> it only counts what it is for me exactly for me it stirred up a bunch of 
something, you know, it stirred up stuff. Mm. Because like I say, I've always, I mean, because I'm tending to, well, again, you know, since I don't believe anything and I don't actually think I know what's really going on Mm. in the universe, then, you know, all this shit could just actually be going on for him in his universe. Yeah. Well, really. Particularly his universe of language and narrative. Well, no, I mean, in his universe of experience, I mean, I mean, I could partake in that. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, that, well, that's what I'm considering because before I always just seen, saw it as a sort of, well, just what you're saying, delusion or something, you know, that they can get into, you know, but it always seems somehow lesser than my view. <laughs> to, to put it simply, that clearly they're deluded, you know. Yeah. Language monkey one hundred and one. But yes. I'm, but you know, I'm just not so sure that that's always the answer. There may be shit that I don't actually understand. Well, I think amazing. One should commit, one should commit <laughs> oneself to that. I mean, that's the nature of existence. If you don't appreciate that, there's probably vastly more shit than you understand, and vastly more shit. Then you can well, yeah, listen, I, this is the kind of shit I tell people all the time. Exactly. So that when I find my, myself dealing with it, it's, of course, different, you know, and, uh, and interesting mm. <laughs> to observe. Mm. You know? The thing that I find interesting about this is that his father had a yogi. And well, his he, father was a pretty – well, not real – well, he's pretty wealthy. Not Wittgenstein kind of wealthy. But, yeah, but uh, nonetheless, yeah. I guess – Yeah. I guess the – there certainly has been times. I mean, you know, artistic muses, just muses. We're from general. India. I mean, that's a different universe. I mean, that means that's the other thing. I mean, yeah, this guy is Indian. Yeah. So, I mean, he grew up, <laughs> you know, in an entirely different mindset, you know, than anything like that you or I could possibly understand. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's far greater than this yogi story, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's surprising. It's surprising, actually, that we have intelligible communication between these cultures, even though we, in theory, use roughly. Well, I, I'm not sure we do. Exactly. I mean, no. I mean, anything is miraculous here. Yeah, yeah. It really is pretty amazing that the universe works as well as it does, it does when yes. you consider yes. how fucked up it is. Exactly, and particularly <laughs> humans' interpretation of the universe. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 The fact that most people actually think they know what's going on just terrifies me. Yes. (laughs) Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? I I don't know. I guess not. So we had a couple of listener-submitted questions. Ah, yes. That's right. I saw that. And I'm going to simplify them, but allow us to expand accordingly. Historically, when we've had listeners contact us and say, so what's this Gendo thing? We've told them to go back and listen to the back (laughs) catalogue. Good luck with that. Yeah. This is this is really like a, a tortured scholarship through the program. However, that's the, it's not bad advice though. It's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> However, we did have a listener that appealed, I think, to your better side, or at least a side of you, uh, to request like a starting point associated with what this Gendo thing is. <laughs> um, well, currently. I'm sort of uh, stuck on a, a saying uh, that I – there are a couple sentences that I wrote recently. Uh, let me see if I can find the, the – t- I mean, I can usually just say it, but uh, – oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. But uh, the, the voice in your head is not something you are doing. It's something happening to you 
you've been hijacked by your own language machine. Wake up from the trance of language. And that that's would be, I guess, <laughs> sort of a summary. I mean, you can unpack that, and I could talk for days. <laughs> Let's talk about the paradox of you in that first sentence. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right at the heart of the whole thing. We got this word I. Yes. I did this. I said that. Yes. <laughs> that's a nice idea. That's That's one way to think about it. It's certainly not the way the universe is actually structured objectively. It's just a way of making sense out of experience. But when and something happens to yeah. you, you're still referring to... Oh, yeah, you. yeah. Well, this, this has four sentences. You know, like I said, it's a little brief. Certainly. <laughs> a but little let's, let's explore it. I mean, let's spend yeah, all okay, time all right, all right, yeah, this okay, Yeah, no, that's a great idea. You're right. That's, and that's, that's really all it's meant to do, is mm. to introduce questions. What the fuck do you mean by you? <laughs> Little questions like that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I've reflected in our conversations frequently, well, not frequently, maybe five or six times, associated with, like, murder or, like, just grasping for things that could be, like, existential points of touch between multiple entities. And... I have no idea what the hell that means. Well, language exists as an execution pattern. Let's call it something in computer science. It's some code that's being executed by a language machine. Yeah. And as our language machines go on, there's this beautiful kind of thing where we start to get this sense that we are eternal entities because the language goes on and the language goes on. Well, I'm not... Well... Some people may get that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. You I'll get uh, that. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I'm, I'm using it as an abstract way of describing some of the things that we've explored to give some more interest. Yeah. That's almost anything can come out of that state. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's really just hallucination time, you know, yes. <laughs> but eventually our language machines will stop. Well, that's a story. Certainly. They may or they may not. Who knows? Maybe they don't. Mm. So, in the world where the language machines don't stop... <laughs> well, I, that should be very interesting. The, the carbon organisms come to an end. But yeah. I guess, look, look, no, this is interesting. This is the nature of language as being like a machine that is socially yeah. integrated. And in fact, yeah, that's part yeah, of the problem, Actually, right? that's, yeah, that's part of it, is that, in fact, yeah, language is not something that inhabits a particular nervous system. No. It, it actually has its existence in the species. Yes. You know, individuals come and go, but the language uh, is affected by every one of them. Mm. Some more than others, though. Mm. It, hence, the one of the many stone ape outcome is that this thing, if people listen to it and talk about it and it perpetuates and the Internet Archive stays up for a few generations of humanity, then this thing exists independently of us, independently of our language. Yeah, it's just there. Mm. That's all. Yes. Everybody and anybody, that's the beauty of it, is that's now available to any human being. I mean, yes. before, you know, a, a thousandth of one percent of humans had access to that. Mm. And, of course, they were the only ones who had anything to say anyway. Well, probably. yes, of any importance because they had to make it kind of continue to persist in the way in which they yeah. liked it. yeah. But yes. I mean, yeah, the fact, of course, that's a problem too, because, <laughs> you know, any fucking idiot. <laughs> mainly fucking idiots. Mostly fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's probably a better problem. I mean, because we can probably learn how to weed out the bullshit. 
Yeah. I mean, I've learned how to do that in my life. You know, 95% of everything is bullshit. Yeah. The, the trick is to find the good stuff. Yeah. You, know? you can spend an all, almost a lifetime looking for it. So I guess we've given some abstract perspective. But, I mean, within Gendo, there's also the stupidities. Well, Gendo, well, first of all, Gendo literally translates as a way of language or yes. way of language. And so it, it's taking, you know, to me, it's, it's Zen, really, because mm. that's where I got my start. And, uh, but it's just Zen with a focus on the power of language and how freeing ourselves from its suppression or its illusions. Um, you know, by studying the language specifically, I mean, it's sort of a shortcut, you know, mm. it cuts out all the bullshit, you know, it, it's all done in language and, the, and there are a few, ma- and this gets to the five uh, stupidities, which you know, there are a couple of main characters, you know, in the language machine that just make us fucking crazy. Mm. And the five stupidities is uh, a good way to begin exploring all of that. Mm. All of this stuff, I hope, not a hope, my intention is that this will all be available, that there will be a Gendo course online on YouTube and the web and wherever else it needs to get instantiated. Because it's really pretty simple stuff. The more I look at it now, the more I, I wonder why it's taken so long to figure it out because it's so fucking simple <laughs> when you look at it. And for our new listeners, <laughs> the moment they have been waiting for, the five stupidities are the word the. No, no, screw that. There's a podcast, 701. I don't think, I, my view is, let's, if there are, we are I don't, just, you don't want to give it to them. I, I think it's irrelevant. Well, the, the good one is the word the. Okay, let's, the, the first, the most important, the absolute. <laughs> the most important. The most important uh, word to know is the. It, it is wrong, wrongly applied by my studies about 94% of the time. And it's the most common word in English. It occurs somewhere between a thousand and twenty thousand times a day in your own head. It's wrong ninety four percent of the time, and you've never even thought about it before. Changing that one thing, yes, can change. I've been uh, recently. I've been looking at various atheist groups and their interactions with Christians, and and, and realizing how. Pointless it is to debate people on uh, on the the objects of their belief. Amen, oh, brother. Uh, it's just a total waste. If you really want to change them, you've got to cut it below the level of of um, of whatever the the content of it is. It, and and they don't resist that. Everybody's open. I mean, it's easy to approach and show how stupid the word "the" is, and people get it immediately. It's not that big a fucking deal, really, you know. Yeah, but that can, I think, have deep repercussions. So yeah, the word "the." Why is it wrong? I'm not going to say. You figure it out. Think about it. <laughs> Why? What is wrong with the word "the"? What's the problem with the word the? I'd love to hear your opinions about it. Of course, some of you have already heard this shit, and you know damn well. Yeah, some of them have suffered through the past <laughs> 130 stone eights. <laughs> and for folks listening in, how is it possible that Heron can reference a podcast number greater than podcast numbers that exist in stone eight? This is because you have to go back 
to Heron's Gendo podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was yeah. referring to that. Gendo, A Way of Language on uh, iTunes, yes. number 701. And if you listen through all of those and all of these... You get a red belt in Gendo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a true miracle in that circumstance. If you get through all of those and all of these... Your existence becomes miraculous through passing through <laughs> all of that. And you may actually have the opportunity to meet Heron. I mean, that seems to be like the pinnacle of listening to these particular Really? Podcasts. I don't think so at all. I think that would just be a disappointment. Well, that's what you've advertised to me consistently. And yeah. I'm starting to realize. Yeah, I have no interest case. in meeting people unless they're really cute women and they want to, you know, become good friends. <laughs> And for our one female listener that has done this in the past, Heron's referring to you. Okay, moving on from this. <laughs> so I think we've given enough food for thought. And actually, look, we have a Facebook group for folks that want to ask these kind of questions. Or you can always approach me. Yeah, directly. You know, um, Heron at Gendo.net or Heron Stone, Heron underscore Stone on Skype. I mean, you can find me. I'm real easy. And I'm quite... Uh, amenable to the idea of talking to people about this stuff. I think it's really important. And the second question, which was posed to me, was associated with political change and the ways in which we can act political change without violent revolution and without the thugs taking the positions at the top. What's too late for without violence? Mm, and that's an interesting perspective. I open flow. I well, no, I mean, it's already there. <laughs> well, yes. it, the violence will here, be enacted against us, yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a stem gun is, Heron? Uh, well, it's some sort of uh, pistol for, you know, shooting bullets into people, I assume. Well, it's a long... It's, World War II. It's, yeah, it's the World War II British equivalent of a grease gun. Is, yeah, yeah, basically. right. The, the M1 of England. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's slightly different, but yes. No, well, anyway, yeah. Yes. Now, I late one night a few weeks ago, I realized I could buy a demilitarized one, which is just basically molten mess of the barrel section and then all the bits that come off for $130. And I thought, hmm, this is going to be a curious artifact to own. So it arrived a few days ago and it <laughs> smells absolutely. I mean, if you like rust metal and <laughs> military grease, this is the aromatic concoction. Is there any wood on it? No. No, it's all metal. It's all wow. metal. Yes. Wow. So, you know, I now own one of these things. And actually, with a Dremel, you can make it... You can't make it fully functional. In fact, I can't own anything that would carry bullets in California because everything that carries bullets in California is against the law associated with this weapon. But, uh, no, just as its, its smell alone is... <laughs> How, how old was? Do you know? Do you get a pedigree with this? When no, no, no. They were built basically. They were built by the French Resistance. They were built in the UK. They're so simple to make. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it really is almost a, a parable about how mm, yeah. curious you know restricting these kind of things is. It appears to be at least built in the 1940s, sometime mid 1940s. Uh, it's incredibly filthy. And it's just a curio currently. Are you going to clean it up? I think I might, actually. My wife has a Dremel, and I was talking to her about at least removing some of the, like, melted parts that they melt to demilitarize it. You can basically take a fence post, drill out a few parts, and then you have the weapon. But in this country, you can't get the fence post-sized pieces 
to make it fully automatic. You can only get the semi-automatic ones. But it is a curious artefact because it doesn't look like a modern-day gun. It looks like a gun that was designed by 16-year-old kids in a metal shop class. <laughs> and it really looks very... And it was! Yes, exactly. <laughs> it looks... And, yeah, with bed springs. It's all internals are bed springs oh. and things like that. It is very, very strange-looking. Um, but, yes, in terms of things that I might do in the near future, I might, you know... Well, I'm going to at least get the Dremel piece to remove all the molten parts and then see what I have. I think I'll just have a lot of nice smell. Are you going to clean it up? Well, I don't actually... I'm assuming I use some form of solvent to take off the, you know, 70-plus years of filth on it. I really don't know. I've looked at various YouTube clips, and there are always guys that are, like, career machinists, and they spend about six minutes drilling, and then they have a perfectly functional one. So I don't know. But it's a curious yeah. artifact to have, particularly associated Isn't with it interesting that how many YouTube videos on these stems are out there? It's quite astonishing, actually. Well, I mean, what, hundreds? Uh, in terms of the ones that are actually really interesting, I've watched probably about 25. I mean, this is wow. what encouraged me to wow. make the initial. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and no matter what you can think of, it's there. Exactly. No, I mean, and even what you can't think of. Exactly. And you, you typically <laughs> discover what you can't think of when you're in the process of, of watching it. <laughs> it's just extraordinary, this whole YouTube thing. I paid for the YouTube Red. I've seen various complaints by various Facebook friends, but I thought the amount of time I spend watching YouTube, yeah, and I hate the commercials, so... Well, but as long as you can get rid of them in four seconds, I can live with that. Yeah, I'm you know? just sick of them. My view is... Yeah, well, no. You, and I, I also want to cast a vote it, That's here. what you should do. I, I want mean, to cast a financial... Exactly. I want to cast a financial vote to the fact that I spend... Yeah, no, that's what you know, is Half for. an hour to an hour watching this stuff every night. I'm willing to put up... Yeah, if it makes your life months. better and it yeah. gives them a message. Yeah. Well, no, it gives them a message that they can make more money by charging more. Well, <laughs> it gives them a message, actually, that their commercials tend to be relatively useless and poorly targeted. And well, I'm willing yeah, to pay I don't, I've never looked past, you know, four seconds. You know, I just sit there and wait for the four seconds. Well, to actually, a lot of them have the like brush. 30 seconds and things. They've used oh, I, I never go. Yeah, yeah. I, I've run into a couple of those and I just simply quit. I'm yeah. not used to watch it. I'm not going to wait 30 seconds to watch some fucking YouTube video. Yes. Anyway, returning to the list of specific questions associated with politics, we live at an apex, I think, of the contemporary political system associated in particular with challenging its legitimacy. Less than a majority of the population that is able to vote in the US actually votes, and this number is decreasing. My perspective is when we get to 20%, well, we need to warm up for this narrative, because this narrative needs to... We need to be on top of this narrative associated with what the legitimacy of the political system actually means. So when we get down to 20% participatory you know, individuals, they're going to be fanatics for a start, and you've got to worry about who will be left in the final 20% of voters in this country. But having an 80% majority behind you means that you can probably have a discussion. Now, there's a legislative way that you can do this, where you get, I think, 50,000 people together and you sign a you know, demand for a constitutional convention yeah. and all this other kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, that can, that can happen. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence Lissick for a period of time yeah. advocated that. Various yeah. people have advocated that. Yeah, well, that's one avenue to take. Mm. You know, I mean, we should probably explore all avenues. No, I'm, I'm all in favour of exploring all avenues, but yeah. I think there's an independent discussion that needs to be had 
associated with what legitimacy means. Well, we, we need to. It seems to me that what we need is a global civilization. Without question, you know, nationalism is out, and that's just and boy. That I don't. There's no fucking around with that. I don't see that that's debatable. No, you know? I mean, look, I mean, the reason that you and I talk every, well, when we can on a Friday night is because <laughs> we're in agreement associated with most of these things. Here's the curious part. I started experimenting with short funk topics to try and raise this as a very serious thing to actually explain to people associated with what political legitimacy means and associated with the fact that if they engage with the political process, if they vote, if they show political support, do these kind of things, then they're actually part of the caterpillar part of the problem. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, not the problem. They're part of the caterpillar. Exactly. No, they're part of the caterpillar. But also, if you want to be looking for butterfly-related stuff, these people either need to – you need to have a conversation with them, very polite, easygoing conversation that just explains to them that no matter whether they voted for Bernie Sanders or Obama or, you know, JFK or whoever they voted for – same situation, different dude in the White House. Well, it may be slightly better, you know. I mean, Sanders is probably better than Daniel, or what's his name, Trump, or whatever his name is. Carson? No, Trump. I yeah. know, I understand. Carson's the yeah. other guy who's never yeah. hit. Well, either one of them, both. <laughs> They're both fucking crazy as well. Well, if you listen to Sanders, he's fucking crazy as well. I mean, this is my concern. Yeah, but he's crazy my way. <laughs> he's not crazy my way, Aaron. I mean, my perspective is that Sanders apparently, allegedly, should represent some of my views. But when you actually listen to the guy, you realize that he's now represented considerably more by his well, actually, lobbyists. Actually, no, honestly, I, I really haven't listened to him enough to have. So I should, you should cancel anything I just said. Yeah, I would actually I, I really, listen. I mean, my perspective yeah. is... Oh, I have no interest. I don't really exactly. give a shit. I don't exactly. think it makes any difference. Yes. <laughs> But the Sanders fanatics number many, and oh the, yeah, oh yeah, anyone who well, those are people who believe in the system and that Sanders. Well, they voted for Obama, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They should be in therapy instead. They're voting for Sanders. <laughs> you know, they need to be seriously questioning their well, political but that's, views. Again, and then, that's the vast majority of human beings, without have, question. You know, are are in so that state. Here's where it gets more interesting. Clearly, there's a vast majority of human beings in that state. Clearly, there's a small number of us with our particular perspective. How do we change those ratios? Well, firstly, I would argue that when people don't participate... We're doing it right here. Exactly. Right here. Exactly. This is one way to do it. Exactly. So, in this sense, we need to start honing our communicative skills. We need to start gathering like-minded folk. And we need to start presenting an alternative view that is palatable. And the palatability well, is the interesting Well, that's what we've been doing. Part. That's what I've been doing. Well, you... Ah, this is <laughs> an interesting footnote here. Last Friday, I went out to dinner with an occasional Stone Ape listener, and I meet a bunch of occasional Stone Ape listeners. Oh, cool. An occasional's not an addicted one. No. Okay. What's wrong with them? Well, the perspective is that it's in a <laughs> format that, although they agree with a majority of the ideas and views put forward here, yeah. the format is just outside their general... The, it's just too weird, yeah. The over-talking, okay. the general arguments, the... The perspective ideally would be summarized into something yeah, like what they short don't film. want is two actual human beings talking. Well, <laughs> they talking want over each show. other, this kind of stuff. I don't know. On a show, it's a different format than you know. You and I, now, when I meet people like this, I know why they aren't regular listeners. I've heard all yeah. the stories associated yeah. with why they aren't regular listeners, uh, and I'm relatively sympathetic to that. The thing that yeah. I find important is, at least on the main points, they would be. In our court, and I think that's yeah. certainly the case of this particular. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. an experiment that I've been playing recently, because I've been being slightly more aggressive with the short folks, and 
the topic that causes me concern annually associated with how do I explain my particular perspective in the context of this particular event is Veterans Day. Veterans Day for me is so now kind of owned by a particular political perspective. And it also makes me, I mean, a, a number of our listeners, smaller are conscripted, most are volunteer, are, have some, you know, spent time in the military in one shape or another. And the narrative associated with Veterans Day now, it, it comes back to a an ad that I saw for Bank of America, which is that all present <laughs> veterans thank all future veterans. <laughs> Whoa. And if there was ever... A, what the fuck? <laughs> if there was ever a distilling of a particular aspect of my perspective in an ad. I thank all future veterans. Yes. Oh man. Yes. Woo. And that was in pr a print ad or what? No, no, it's on the it's the only website when you log into Bank of America on really? Veterans Day. Thank They've all done it for future yes. veterans. Yes. Jesus, and they're not taking any heat for that? They are from me, but no one listens to me. <laughs> man. Woo. Yeah, it's um it's beyond well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's capitalism and nationalism. No, exactly. No, this is exactly it. So, how do you take a perspective of Veterans Day, which isn't currently embodied by the perspective of capitalism, nationalism, <laughs> ultimately fascism, which is like everything rolled into one big <laughs> spitball? <laughs> and how would you make your ideas when they're particularly yeah. against this more palatable for a slightly broader audience? Well, with humor, obviously. Uh, that seems to be actually a good choice. I haven't used that perspective yet. Actually, I have. I, I combined the war on Christmas with Veterans Day this year. <laughs> I, oh, I'm a, I'll sign up for that one. Yeah. I talked about those brave elves that fought for Christmas. Oh, I thought we were going to fight to get rid of Christmas. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be on the other side. Yeah, that's, yes. Yes, you're one of the evil elves that fights against Christmas. Right. So it's interesting because <laughs> within these perspectives, ultimately, this kind of humor has an offensive element to it to a particular percentage of the population that we don't normally care about. But I guess. Well, we do care about them. We want to be as offensive as possible. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because this clearly is a line associated with the story, which many, or at least many, it's interesting because it's model rail. It's the model rail fraternity and the Stone Ape fraternity, small overlap, but a bunch of nationalistic folk, pro-military service, pro-ongoing wars, no degree of analysis associated with these causes and these kind of things. And it's very difficult here. I used my wife. Well, yeah, you're talking about that is an aspect of who? The model rail community. Some in the model oh, rail community. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. It's, yeah, it's clearly not everybody, but, but yeah, yeah I that, have that, this, that these makes sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. my podcasting communities. Yeah, okay. And I'm, So that's not necessarily part of the um, Stone Ape community. Well, some of them are, but I don't know how it works out. We'll, we'll yeah. get correspondence. Please correspond yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah. Love to hear it. But... I recorded three short funks, two on uh, um, two on Veterans Day and one associated with the bombing of Syria, but with a particular thing, which is actually a topic that I want to discuss. We'll come back to politics. Let me discuss this one topic. Okay. Right. I've been working ridiculous hours. I've actually taken yesterday and today off to get back to regular sleeping patterns and things like that, slowly coming together. I've got two weeks of being on call, which is genuinely hellish, but at least we'll be able to record Stone Apes if you don't mind being interrupted periodically. Yeah. I came home from work rather exhausted a few nights ago, and I had a very small letter in my mail that looked quite interesting. 
You mean so, physical mail? Physical mail. Okay. So I ripped it open, and the first... It was a series of photos. The first photo was a cat, very similar to a cat that we own, uh, being vivisected, having its skull cut open, <laughs> then electrodes put in. Then... I'm not, are you familiar with the Saw movies at all? Well, I mean, I know what they are. They're a horror film, but they're yeah, a horror right, film yeah. of a particular form where people get killed in brutal... Yeah, right. With yeah. bits of machinery Boy, attached yeah, to them. Right, yeah. So this was basically a Saw movie for cats <laughs> in a series of photos. <laughs> Holy shit. And I thought oh, to myself, man. what mm-hmm. on earth is going here? And then I put the letter down and I realised that there was a typo in our zip code. And I thought, that's particularly curious because the only organisation that has that typo in our zip code is a local animal welfare charity that I give money to, a local humane society. And I thought, these, these fuckers have sold my address to Peter to send me these photos of cat vivisections. So I got on my email and I said, look, this is disgusting here, but I'd like to, you know, cancel my monthly donation to you guys. Uh, and I'd like to you guys to do an investigation associated with who in your enterprise sold my, you know, name and address to Peter. And there was various toings and froings and them saying, oh, it wasn't us. And then finally their VP called me and I said, no, it was you. Here's why it was you. She started by saying it was impossible for it to be them because, you know, they have security checks and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, no, it was clearly you guys because there's an error in my zip code that only you guys make. And it was on this Peter letter. And they went, oh, and I said, look, <laughs> enough. You've wasted enough of my time. Anyway, I got home that evening and I had two emails. One from this Humane Society saying, no, this was associated with some organisation that basically Peter had bought my name from. And another from Peter saying they had bought my name from this organisation. And it was one of these curious situations where it was just coincidence that this other enterprise had a mistyping of my zip code. And it was with Peter. And I thought to myself, what kind of system creates this means of first contact, which is just a series of cat mutilation photos? It struck me as very curious. And well, but how, how can you stop shit like that? I mean, if I want to send somebody something, shouldn't I be able to send it to them? The final, no matter who the, the final, fuck well, likes it or doesn't like it. Let me like explain it. it. The final piece of paper in these kitty snuff photos <laughs> was a request for donations of money to Peter. And I thought this is just yeah. so stupid. This is completely the wrong yeah. approach. And yeah. then I reflected actually that this was exactly what a series of like politically, you know, right conservative oh, groups. Well, any kind of, yeah, that's shit. It's a money-making proposition. It has nothing to do with political. Well, positions. no, but let me explain this particular thing. The, if you recall some time ago, the president came out and said, begrudgingly, we're not going to be bombing Syria because that's not what we do. Even though he had been banging the drums of war for bombing Syria for many, many months. Even the Republicans didn't like the idea of bombing Syria. It seemed like a meaningless war. Then mysteriously, these photos and video footage started being sent to people associated with kids being cut up and massacred by ISIS. And everyone was like, oh, well, then we've got to go bomb Syria. But actually, the footage that was propagated was footage of Assad's forces doing this. But, of course, these people are so completely inept, they were like, oh, evil terrorists, rah, 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 bomb Syria, bomb Syria. And no one even took any notice of the fact that it even had wording in English at the bottom. 
indicating that they were Assad's forces. It was all very, very strange, and I kind of put those two things together, that our current political system is so bizarre. Well, the problem is that people are so fucking stupid. Yeah. That's the problem. If people knew how to fucking think, they'd laugh that shit off. But how do we, how do we get... I mean, you talk about... Start with the children. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to take a generation or two to do it. Yeah. I don't see any other way, really. And that's why I don't see any big hurry either. I mean, I think I think we've got plenty of time to do it, but Well, it's but, it's a bit like it's a bit like a an eclipse. Because you have all these circumstances that are aligning that seem to indicate that if we're communicative and smart enough, we can actually instigate a, a means of really quite profound change. <laughs> we can transform the planet. Well, again, it's not really us at that point. I mean, it, it's the will of the planet itself. I mean, the planet has its own destination, I think. At least that's my assumption. Yeah. The planet is a living organism. Yeah. More than that, it's a super, it's, it's beyond what we mean by organism, hmm. but it's alive and developing and has an endpoint. Just, I mean, it's tele, that's what really offends a lot of scientists, the, the idea of teleology, that it's actually headed somewhere. Hmm. It doesn't bother them at all to see that a, an embryo of a human is headed somewhere, hmm. <laughs> but they can't see that Earth. But they don't, also, a, they don't have a language associated with that. The language of science has got nothing to do with these kind of conclusions. Well, the it language does, of science is associated. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about like the underlying mathematics, the underlying, you know, the the. Oh, that they apply equally everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when you have those kind of barriers in these kind of you know in science here, for example, the language here, mathematics here, the language around mathematics. You'd, you'd need a language that's allowed for this notion of, you know, an end point, which science doesn't have currently. I mean, it's a bit like... Well, sure does. That's, that's what calculus is all about, is approaching endpoints. But there's no, there's no, I won't use the term metaphysics because I know it offends you. There's no, <laughs> there's, Good, no there's no metaphysics. Who needs it? We don't need metaphysics, well, do we? In, in this, in this it's just realm. a model. It's what the question is whether the model is useful or not. And for you know, for the DT, for the short amount of time, the model of physics is relatively useful. Sure. Well, for given you know specifications and all sorts of things, yes, it's just amazing stuff. Yeah, here we are on Skype. Mm. <laughs> for the one miracle, the miracle, channeling a little McKenna, the one miracle that science allows for the Big Bang seems to indicate. <laughs> well, that tells us nothing. Yeah. Well, First, there was nothing, and then everything just showed up. <laughs> it's a miracle, oh, okay. Harry. It's cool. a miracle. It is. It is a miracle, and I think that's about the best we can do right now mm. is we don't know. Here's one. Here's our story. Before that, anybody's guess. Mm. It is very curious that when I, I tried this experiment, Sometimes with raw audience, sometimes with audiences that have at least heard some of my prior ramblings. And the concern associated with change, like, well, why don't we just keep the same political process? Because if we change it, <laughs> it might be dangerous, it might be nuts taking well, over. Yeah, right, yeah. And I guess my perspective associated with that is the only constant I've ever found <laughs> is change. Like the whole notion of keeping things the same. Yeah, that, well, that, well, that sort of made sense uh, up until the last hundred years or so. I mean, things did, you know, usually change was a bad thing. 
what you like, most the of our history. The Industrial Revolution was a bad. Thing. Well, I mean, well, I mean, everything really changed after the. I mean, the Industrial Revolution changed everything, and then the one we're in right now, the Information Revolution, is doing it again, and we haven't even got over the first one yet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's where it's particularly curious that you know this whole fear of change. Yet change is actually it's all there is. Yes, I mean, that's what that's that's called life. Yes. <laughs> Except for the, you know, the political process where, although, frankly, and I think this is an interesting point that needs to be made, the political process has changed absolutely over the past 50 years. It's in, just, in America? In America. It's yeah. just perceived that there are these kind of constants and consistencies. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It. That someone should do a good documentary, on, like from the 1950s mm. to the 2015s. Mm. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to... I mean, I, you know, that, that would be, well, of course, it's going to take someone with a very sharp mm. <laughs> attitude to do that. Yeah, Oliver Stone tried to do that. Oliver Stone I like Oliver see, Stone. Clearly, he's your cousin, right? So, <laughs> so I guess my perspective is you need to, for the listeners that are interested in this thing. And what thing start, is this word that they're interested in? That I think there is a coming, let's call it an apex and not an eclipse. There are events that are coming in the future, in the near future, potentially within the next 20 years, that yeah. seriously undermine the current political oh, process. Oh, shit. It, yeah, yeah. it could come sooner than, than then. Yeah, you're... But yeah. We need to have a discussion in terms yeah. of like-minded folk. So when these things start occurring, we yeah. have a strategy in order to move it. Now, you don't necessarily need a strategy, but you might be on the wrong end of a rifle if you don't have a strategy in these circumstances. Well, the thing is, if you want to be a part of creating a new world, now yeah. is the time to get involved. Now is the time know? to declare your allegiance. Be because and, we yes. don't really know what the hell's going on, but it's clear that something's going on and it ain't ever going to get back to normal. It's well, going to find a new normal. Yes. And, and, and we can maybe... Make a difference, maybe even a positive difference in that process. Mm. But having a conversation, having a conversation with a lot of people, what interests me actually is the way, very similar to Heron's two sentences or finding a sentence that could unwrap language, I think there are certain concepts and certain ways that this could be introduced to people that doesn't end them thinking about violent revolution. Yeah, no, that... That would, yeah, that would not be good. The whole point of this is to make it as easy as possible. Exactly. So, reiterating <laughs> my initial point for our new listeners, the political legitimacy of the current system needs to be undermined in every possible opportunity that you have to have with an interaction. Well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does it need to be undermined in order to overmind uh, another way of thinking? Well, I guess my perspective is that there are people that solidly have the belief that the current political system that we have is the only political system that they well, are going to Then they're with. not they're not our audience. No. You know, now, however, however there are plenty of people who aren't that fucking I'm, stupid. I'm not arguing that, Aaron. Here's <laughs> okay. the interesting point. Yeah. It is our listeners' responsibility, if nothing more, to give us feedback to start having these kind of conversations with a <clears> wide <throat> variety of folk, because firstly you may get considerably more support and considerably more ideas through having this discourse with the general public, but you also have an opportunity to try a series of ways of framing the conversation. I, yeah, myself, yeah. am already doing these experiments, but I'd like as a collective group for us to work yeah. together to yeah. see if we, we can need promote a simple these statement. ideas. A simple statement, you know, one, maybe two sentences... 
I'm not so hung up about that. My view is, as you experimented mm. through your Gendo podcast with talking to a wide variety of folk, it's true you did use the same sentences on some of them. But part of yeah. it is also, is also associated with listening. Part well, we of could it have is, multiple one sentences. Yeah. No, exactly. It, yeah, it doesn't exactly. have to just be one. You're yeah. right. <laughs> but the kind of obstacles that we will tend to find through this, at least let me talk from my own experience, the kind yeah. of obstacles I have found through this is people that paid attention through civics class, I guess, in grade school in this country, and they have a narrative associated with the political process, which is, tends to be very curious when compared to what the current political process is, <laughs> but is a story that keeps them happy and keeps them not arming themselves. Well, yeah, right. They go to work, they come home and watch TV, and then they yeah. go to work. Yeah. You know? So I would encourage our listeners, particularly those that are interested in this topic, and what I find really curious is when I started doing short funk, I really wasn't interested in making every single short funk, like a political analysis short funk. And overwhelmingly, the feedback from the listeners are that they love these political analysis things, and they want me to devote more and more short well, funk to this. Well, good. Well, why don't you just do what the fuck you want to do then? <laughs> well, <laughs> you because know? actually, it's interesting. We've talked historically associated with you changing certain aspects of Gendo to make it not necessarily more palatable, but certainly more receptive to a broader no, audience. No, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Yeah. I mean, that that's the line that needs to be walked, yes. <laughs> you know, is between between being as widely accessible as possible and, uh, you know, and getting the right people, the people mm. who are actually ready for it. Mm. And I think I've tried at least to outline some of my ideas currently associated with this particular listener's topic. Uh, Submitted question. And the listener indicated strongly that they were concerned associated with the, what replaces the current system. I think that's important associated with like our discussion currently. Like as a community, if we can have a discussion that outlines what our particular perspectives are and particular solutions to yeah. just even guys with bigger guns being in power, then that's the kind of conversation that we really need to be having now for, you know, 20 years worth of discourse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we do have uh, my sense is 20 to 40 years before, you know, it, the, the shit really hits the well, fan. I mean, my, so, my you so. know, my 2012 McKenna point is actually in about 20 years time associated with the decrease in voting population for the continued election. Yeah, yeah. And I think that gives Well, that's a good measure of exactly. just how many people don't give a shit exactly. about what they're doing. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and well, also, see, I can imagine them going on and on and them finally pulling the cameras out, but they'll still go and have their talks and nobody will pay any attention yeah, to no, it. I mean, part of, part of the <laughs> tax strategy I've discussed associated with the funding of War Machine is exactly that. Yeah. That you just make this, like, you know, like the Masons or you know, some kind of cult group that still gets together and has their little elections and has their little discourse. <laughs> and then the rest of us just get on with our lives. And, I mean, that yeah, is right. quite a comfortable yeah. alternative, aside yeah. from the fact yeah. that... You well, know, that would be a, almost an ideal solution. Yeah, put them you in know, their padded rooms. The least violent, you know, certainly. and they could continue with their little illusions and yeah. pass their laws and shit, and nobody will give them a moment. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> interesting. So I went... I, we, had a, we had an informal community meeting this month and i went along and it was just basically three of us the uh, president the treasurer and and me we had our little community <laughs> meeting what fascinated me through this was both the presidents of the treasurer have people 
next door to them that own the properties that grow substantial amounts of cannabis. One of them has a, a neighbour who grows 90 plants, black from their doctor saying that they are legally allowed to grow 90 plants because the rules in California actually change. It went from being, I think it's six plants with 12 seedlings to being whatever your doctor says you can grow. <laughs> and in this case, they're well, I now wonder who the hell got that law through. <laughs> no, it, this is where it's interesting. This is where it's interesting. This was done by um, case law. This was actually a person brought into court where they had, I think, 16 plants, and they were able to say, no, this is my medical requirements. My medical requirements are 16 plants. My doctor signed off on it. I'm upholding the law and the letter of the law. And this case law changed the law in California, which means that you can, you know, if you've got a doctor that's sympathetic, you can basically recreate Vietnam in your backyard with jungle (laughs) tropical plants. Yeah, he's got a serious problem and it needs serious attention. Absolutely. Well, apparently he was shot through his back or something. Well, whatever, you know, he, you know, that's, that's his business, you know. Yeah. But though I thought of this as being, we were talking about. Well, it would be so much simpler if you just fucking legalized it for recreational use, and then you could ignore all this shit, and people could do what the fuck they want. Yes, but no, we were talking <laughs> about the importance of like laws being maintained and laws being fulfilled. Wait a minute, I'm curious. Have you? Do you know anything about like in? I think in Colorado, it's legal for recreational use, isn't it? Uh, Colorado, you are allowed. Um, you can have 12 plants, but, but you don't only need four a doc, of them. You don't need a prescription or anything. No, Anybody it, can, can just go buy some. Yes. It's slightly, the recreational is slightly more expensive than the medicinal. Well, why would they even make a distinction? Tax, Heron. They want to make money through this thing. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So well, that makes sense. Okay. So if you've got a medical condition, you can get it cheaper. Yes. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. It's good. If you've got a medical condition, you should probably get it cheaper. In Colorado, <laughs> I think this is... Is it the same quality stuff, though? That's what counts. I actually think... I mean, certainly what I've read and seen online, the medical stuff is always better than the recreational stuff. Really? There's a lag, basically. Hmm. In Colorado, well, I eventually, think, I imagine they'll get this straightened out, and yes, I mean, there will actually be good weed available. <laughs> yes. Well, the the alarming concern that I've raised a few recordings ago is associated with the rise of legal states where the individual cannot grow, and that strikes me as <laughs> yeah, being yeah. No, that's no good. They're going to try and enact that in California, I think, this upcoming election. No, 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 no. Well, I'm warning, I'm warning our listeners in advance, particularly our Californian listeners, that, uh, you know, these things are actually coming up and we need to remain vigilant associated with these things. The law- of course, maybe, I mean, if that gets, you can always change the law later, too. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, why they're called lawmakers, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The law associated with growing in Colorado is you are allowed 12 plants, but only four of them can be mature at any given time, which is very curious. Okay, well, so they got their rule now. Again, yeah. all that can be changed, you know? Yes. I mean, once you, once it, I mean, at least it's legal, you can do it, blah, blah, blah. It's stupid, but it's better than going to jail. Yes. <laughs> Whereas in Washington State, it's illegal to grow cannabis. So mm-hmm. it's a very, yes, it's legal to consume and buy cannabis and be taxed at 30 plus percent, but it's illegal to grow. <laughs> 
Fucking humans, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ever wanted a statement associated with what <laughs> what the state of Washington was really interested in, I think that makes it perfectly clear. And they're interesting. It's interesting because they're only interested in converting half the illegal market in in Washington. So they're not they're not even on the same page associated with eliminating the illegal market. They're perfectly happy. Yeah. Well, with- actually, that's fine. <laughs> the illegal market will supply what people want. It's just, yes, this is the curious <laughs> part of the whole description for want of a better term. But, oh, God, yeah. it's just... No, even in, even in this movement in a particular direction, the language monkeys still manage to add their additional... Oh, well, that, that's the thing is that, you know, I mean, you really just can't expect much until people wake up from the fucking trance you know mm. you just it's small permutations well, we make little bits of progress here and there yeah but uh, that's why i'm optimistic though is because anyone who makes the underlying shift th- everything else then goes with it mm. you know and that uh, it, there are few people now who have made that transition but there are a growing number of us who have made that transmission or transition and this gets to the interesting part of the recording ladies and gentlemen heron is three glasses in swiftly approaching more this is my third glass yes okay that's right you start a new recording each time so you you have a very accurate measurement yeah so (laughs) three glasses in an hour and an hour and ten minutes so and this is more than i usually do yes oh really yeah Interesting. Your need for alcohol is great this evening. Interesting. Okay, because it doesn't... Well, I don't know. Yeah, You probably know much better than me. Certainly. So now we get into the relatively free-form topic aspect of the Stone Age recording. Oh, good. Yes. (laughs) See, that's the... I I really strive to be in that mode all the time. Mm. I don't always succeed, but... (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That that's the the aim. Yes. So when we last spoke, you'd had various bits and pieces cut off your face. Did they conclude ah. that or? No. It turns out there's some controversy. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm I'm really impressed by the VA. Mm-hmm. Uh, a week after the surgery, the specimen is re-examined to uh, re to make sure that it was correct in the first place. And the second time they looked at it, they said, "No, nah, I think there's still something there." So uh, I'm going back Monday. Mm. They're, they're going to take a, another look. And the doctor who did it thinks they're full of shit <laughs> and that, that they got it all. But if not, well, that's, you know, he's going to look at the, the slide himself and, um, and then we'll decide. But in either case, it won't be that much of a bigger deal than what, what's already gone on. It's right. just – I mean, they'll have it localized very specifically, yeah, and um, and they'll know exactly what to what to take out, and you know, it'll make the scar a little bit bigger. But actually, the scar is healing quite nicely. Mm. I'm quite impressed by mm. what a nice job they did. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, the swelling has all gone down now, and it's not, it's not completely healed, but it's it's pretty pretty good. It's, it's not. It's almost not noticeable. And have you warned the Seal Beach Sun that you may be out the next day or you think you'll be walking in the next day? Oh, they're not going to do anything this time. They're just going to... Ah, it's investigative. They're just going to take another look, maybe take a biopsy, maybe not, but a biopsy is no big deal. Right. Uh, So, you know, no, but they're not going to do any surgery, so... Mm. No, they'll know. Well, luckily they got through the last one. One of the other people in the office did it, 
and I earned a lot of respect from her mm. <laughs> when it took her till almost like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm usually out of there at 2 in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, uh, so I earned some points there. <laughs> yeah, it is a curious situation that there are these points of, like, where there can be no redundancy, and yet mysteriously... You know, they got through my day off, and they could <laughs> get through another one. But, I mean, her job was ended. I mean, she spent her whole day plus an extra, you know, like, five hours of overtime mm. to get out the papers I do in five hours. It took mm. her, like, 13 hours. Why don't they, why don't they have an apprentice unto you? Because they're idiots. Mm. You know, well, the same thing goes with the, there's a whole department of, of legal ads <laughs> that, that we produce, yeah. you know, uh, from people who are, you know, anyway, I don't really understand it, but it's this legal shit that gets mm -hmm. published by businesses. And um, the person who does that has been doing it since the beginning. And, and she was going to take a day off and they wanted me to go over and, and do it. Well, after about two minutes, I could see that, you know, it would take me a week to learn what the fuck she's doing. You know, yeah. it was, you know, there's all this shit from all these different sources and it all has to be handled differently depending yeah. on who it comes from and blah, 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 and on and on and on, you know. And yeah, if I had maybe two days, I could do that. Mm. But you just can't ask me to walk in and do that. That yeah. it, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, the perception of a job and the perception of what one does through this is very curious. I mean, you know, it, I think this is the new world. I mean, this is my perspective that historically, I mean, even in the case with your job, there was at least one other person who did what you do, did uh, like yeah, they when we first started out. talking. Yeah. Well, they got the papers out. Yeah. 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 And it just seems more economically feasible now just to have these people that do a particular thing. Yeah, but you should know who – and the fact that they got through was just fucking lucky. Yeah. You know, it wasn't because they planned for it. Mm -hmm. You know. It's yeah, the they planning got for it is another point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, and they had plenty of opportunity – well, they've had opportunity from the beginning, but they just don't. You know, they yeah. just don't think that way, you know. And like I say, like this lady, uh, that one time, it turned out she ended up not taking time off, and she did it. And that was like four or five years ago. Mm. <laughs> and she's been there every day doing these things. And if she were to die or be in an accident or quit or whatever and just walk out without preparing yeah. anybody, I don't know what they'd do. I yeah. don't know what they'd do. You know? I mean. Well, yes. Yeah. Someone would have to learn it. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, they're going to lose thousands and thousands of dollars of advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Well, it's just – it's uh, I, this, it stuns me when I look at the way this business works, and I think, well, they've been—they're still in business. They've been in business for like twenty-five years. Mm. You know, they're still in business. Yes. Somehow. Yes. But I'm thinking it's just fucking luck. <laughs> you know, they just—they're just lucky. Of course, luck beats skill, maybe. So. Mm. <laughs> and in terms of your car, how is that? Any oh, resolution there? Oh yeah, I—I uh, I just sold it off. I got four hundred bucks for it. Right, and but, you're writing you're writing off six hundred Delta. Well, I'm not I'm not doing anything. I just told them to go fuck themselves, and I'm tired of, of this shit. And I sold the car, and you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, I didn't say that, but I mean, basically, I didn't even contact them. I just I just sold it. Yeah. And I called my insurance company and told them I sold it. Yeah. But I didn't bother with the other people. It is extraordinary this thing called insurance in this country. I mean, the nature of Obamacare just completely replicating 
what it currently occurs with cars. <laughs> it's just absolutely extraordinary to me. It's well, extraordinary. Uh, yeah, I don't really. Well, you know, it's just it's just something I got to do. It's a game I got to play. Yeah, and so hey, we all have to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy. But but then you know what can you do? You know, well you can you can. A lot of people exist outside that system, but boy, if you get caught, you're really fucked. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting aspect because I guess I have no contact with that kind of perspective. I've always lived in an environment where I've had to. I guess because you get this fresh off the boat thing, particularly in this country, where if you're a recent migrant, you're basically. So, for example, the company I worked for in Las Vegas closed without warning while I was in Australia. And I was entitled to receive, I think, three months worth of whatever, whatever they pay out, unemployment benefits in these yeah. circumstances. They refused to pay the first three weeks and then I found a job. But then they insisted that I still had to come in and talk to them. And I said, no, I have a job now. You didn't pay me. I, why should I come talk Why do I need to come talk to you? I mean, at every, at every, and they don't, they didn't, so there were, there were 20 people that worked with me. None of them were called in to give documentation. I was called in twice. The second time, obviously, I had the job. And I, my perspective has been that this is like a fresh off the boat tax. Similarly, when, you know, when I first got a bank account, my bank account was constantly being closed by illegitimate charges. And I just realized that that's kind of fresh off the boat tax. Yeah. So in these circumstances where you're going to get audited repeatedly, just because you're a new resident, you really have very limited options because I, you know, in fact, there was a case where they misspelled, I think they misspelled my wife's name on her driving. It was either the driver's license or the insurance company, probably the insurance company misspelled my wife's name. So they contacted us to freeze both of them. And we said, no, we, we've got all the paperwork. The fact that you can't type my wife's name doesn't mean that we're not entitled to have both, you know, a car oh, with a license oh, plate and these oh, kind of contraire. things. Oh, contraire. Oh, contraire, yes. <laughs> Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And it's it's within this time, <laughs> listeners in the future, listeners in 2040, since you are post-revolution oh, and you are listening to yeah, this yeah. thing, it may be hard to imagine that language monkeys existed in this environment at some time, but lo and behold, they did. That's an int- boy, boy, that's something to yearn for. The future. Yeah. You know, yeah. imagine a planet full of people who could tell the difference between what they think about something and what's actually happening. So <laughs> let's start this topic, because this comes from our listener, Paul Brian Hancock. We briefly talked about the future last recording. I the mental construct of the future and enacting change based on the perspective of the future and whether the future was in fact a disease or something (laughs) anomaly of the mind that we should ignore. And he loved that conversation. We were both exhausted at the time and kind of tailed off before we got into a deeper discussion associated with the future. I've got about 20 minutes left in me. My perspective is I could probably talk a little bit more about the future. But I guess the bit that was missing initially, having given that background to the future, do you want to start the conversation associated with this kind of cognitive construction of the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it seems to me you have to pick a story. Mm. You know, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how you do that, actually. I mean, I I got one, (laughs) and then everything sort of flows from that story for me. I guess I return to various dreams that I occasionally have where I wake up in the future. And in this future, certain things are the case. I need to learn these things relatively quickly in the dream space. But I get an amazing sense of promise and potential 
associated with these dreams. That a number of the anomalies that we see in our current life are only for a temporary period of time. And we have the means, both intellectually, Mm. also potentially, you know, well, time is on our side associated with these things. And within that, we can create a future of unimaginable, you know, possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this typically is, is marketed to children, but I actually think as adults, we have probably a greater capacity to make some of these changes possible. Well, I think most people think must be starving for some sort of meaning. I mean, religion has lost meaning for many people. Well, yes. Going quickly. Yes. Uh, You know, but there's nothing left. There's nothing to replace that. And people seem to be sort of, you know, drifting, you know. And if they had some vision of a future, you know, that would be very helpful if we could find some way to have a unified vision of the future. Or even some discourse associated with the future. I mean, my perspective We're just talking is, about exactly. it. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for now, yeah, of That's course. a start, right? Yeah. Well, know? that's... The, what else can we do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, that's sort of what we do here, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. I mean, sort of. I mean, really, that's what it's all... That's really what it's all about. Mm. It seems to me that the next 20 to 40 years are just crucial times in this planet's development i mean right now this right now next 20 to 40 years are going to determine whether this planet goes ahead as a conscious entity or whether it aborts i mean certainly when i reflect on the past 15 years which i guess has been the part of my adulthood where i've been in some position to enact some form of change or at least work together with a group of people to enact some form of change I think it's an interesting projection for the future. I mean, certainly a good number of the things that I hoped would occur have occurred. (laughs) And that's very curious in reflection, particularly when you look at how abstract some of my ideas were, you know, with computerization and these kind of things, the role of the internet and small devices that were effectively supercomputers of only 20 years ago. (laughs) I mean, all these kind of things are things that I hoped would be the case, and they are actually here. Here, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now all we got to do is get the messaging part of it working, you know, so that we actually make sense when we communicate with one another. Mm. Well, that's your particular interest. Well, that's... That's that's part of the the solution. I mean, you got the, having the technology is great. Actually, I think we've got. I don't even think we need any more tech. I mean, we could deal with what we've got right now and create paradise. Mm. You know, it's, it's the real problem is us. Yes, <laughs> it's not the technology. It'll get better and and even better. But even with just what we've gotten right now, yeah, the the problem is us. Yeah. Well, my perspective associated with the technology currently is there's a time aspect to it as well. In order to maximize the productive use of the technology we have currently, we need to either be have some snippets of information leading into it so we can kind of project and plan and develop and do yeah. everything that we need, or we need to, you know, the, we need to take what we have currently and study it and produce based on, you know, the most efficient means possible. Well, a lot of this has to do with just how much time is available to us as individuals. Fancy that. Yes. That's exactly the point. Yeah, that that's the whole point. Things. How much time do we spend yeah. on survival as opposed to creating a new world? Yes. You know, and... Yeah, that percentage still seems to be a relatively well, fixed Well, we're early in that game. Yes. <laughs> still, still, survival is a major issue for most... I mean, I'm really fortunate that... I mean, 
I'm lucky I'm getting Social Security because I'd be in serious trouble. Well, I'd be fucking homeless without it. Yes. Uh, but with it, I'm actually able to accumulate money. Yeah. So that so that when my car got trashed, I was able to go out and spend four thousand dollars and buy another car. Yeah. You know, because I had the cash. Yeah. Miracles, Harry. Miracles. Well, it's it is, man. I mean, I I, I gotta be thankful to Bob for, yeah. for making my life so simple. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, I I mean, you know, for all I say, I find you know the life that I lead absolutely extraordinary. Well, it is. Yeah. Yeah, to be in a position where you can put having money well, in this world, having money in the bank is um, a very useful thing. Mm. It's very it it it's it is a certain amount of security. Mm. Yeah, I reflect on. In fact, the community is having a celebration midway through December, and a large part what of the celebration talking about the community in which I live. Oh, uh, and a large part of that celebration relates to the kids having computers and internet. And it's extraordinary for a relatively small amount of money. I mean, roughly the same amount you spent on your new car. Yeah. I've given 20 kids internet-connected computers after school. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, when I reflect on all that goes bad in this part of the world, I also... Well, there are... How many kids do you think are are influenced by that? Well, the numbers are growing, so I'm getting more computers in. In fact, what I'm trying to do is add... A number of new computers before this. So party. the place is packed. So there are yeah. people in there wanting to use the computers. They just need more computers now. They have twenty kids currently, and they have four computers. By the end of the year, they should have eight computers. Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. awesome! Yeah. And then I'm going, are you to, going to get involved with those kids in any way. I well, I need tuberculosis testing and fingerprinting. My perspective is actually, and I've met the people. It'd that, be kind of fun, I would think, to go in there and. Talk to them and see who they are. I think when it gets to about 40. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the point yeah. where I think it gets very interesting because then it's not only... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's continuing to grow, that's that's awesome. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Well, yeah. I, I wish you well on that. As you know, it was slow going, but it's occurred. And well, just about more. everything is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, slow <laughs> and particularly frustrating. Yes, that seems to be a tendency here. <laughs> just... <laughs> Yes. So I have one more. Well, Saturday is, I guess, typically for most people a day off. I have one more day off and then I'm on call on Sunday. So I've been able to record one piece of music that I quite like, and I'm hoping to record a couple of pieces of music tomorrow. My podcast room, I'm currently removing everything. I've gotten everything but about a third of the original stuff out. And the plan which, is which, to, po- which podcast room is this? I have a podcast room in my house. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I thought you about some virtual. No, 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 no. Uh, and the plan is to get everything out, have the floors polished, put in particular kinds of shelving, repack it all, and then you know have it as a, a slightly more interesting functional room that enables me to record more comfortably and do a variety yeah. of other things. My <laughs> wife proposed to me a business idea that I actually thought was rather interesting, which I've talked about briefly in a short funk, but will probably take more time than we have this evening to talk about. Yeah. So I'm also looking into that within the next year with a view that that would be in large part based on Noble Ape, but take it in a completely different direction. I am fading here fast, Heron, unfortunately. So kind of getting to the point where I'm wrapping things up because my head is about to hit the table. Um, although I've had a couple of days off now, my sleep is still not recombobulated. And when I'm on call, I never sleep well as well. So, 
my wife has been joking with me that my lack of sleep makes me more like a stoner in terms of <laughs> I can't remember things and yeah. my brain is just everywhere and you know um but yeah my hope is that I will get through this I'm taking a week off in two weeks time but based on another thing about this trip to Sacramento was that we hit ridiculous traffic so it took us about seven hours to get there Oh, seven hours driving? Yeah, it's well, it, mm. driving is a very loosely framed term. It's mainly in a three-lane freeway that's like a parking lot. Yeah, basically. right, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, seven hours in the car. Yeah, so, <clears throat> which would have taken us to Southern California, except this was just taking us effectively, I think it's about two hours Why away. would it, yeah, normally that would be how long a drive? Uh, well, on the way back I it mean, was. ideally. On the way back it was two hours. Two hours. Yeah. God, I hate driving. I just, mm. I love my new car. You know, I, it's just, I, I'm looking for excuses to drive it, mm. <laughs> you know, to go somewhere. That's a curiosity for you, Heron. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, yeah, it is. But, but I'm really quite pleased. I mean, the fact that it's an old lady's car is okay, yeah. you know, but it's, it's just, it's just a very nice little car, you know? Yeah. Well, you should get out, Heron. You should go and, I mean, you know. Well, in fact, I'm going to go to a meetup tomorrow night. Cool. Just just so that I can drive my car. (laughs) So is this like the Young Republicans of uh, Beverly Hills or anything? Which meetup specifically? (laughs) You know, I don't even remember now. It's probably one of the left-wing atheist groups. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that's that's right. It's a guy who's had quite success on YouTube uh, with a method for – for questioning atheist or, or questioning theists Ugh. that that seems to be effective in getting them to go from saying they're one hundred percent sure about their belief in Jesus to they're fifty percent sure. <laughs> so well there are so many ways to skin that cat. Well there are, seems... but I mean still that's pretty fucking impressive. Well unless he's unless he stinks. I mean, there are certain things that you don't know about this individual, which probably well, no, makes we'll people change their mind. Yeah, I'll find yeah. out tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm really I'm fascinated by the fact that you still mess with these atheists. Oh, just because uh, because I want to go drive my car. I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. Yeah. yeah. No, it, well, there are individuals there who um, – who are quite interesting, actually, and, mm. and, and, and who are ripe for what I'm talking about. I mean, they're, they've been atheists so long that uh, it's beginning to get boring for them. Mm. You know, for a lot of people, it's really exciting and new, and, and their whole life is about contrasting Christianity with atheism. But for us normal people, that just sounds boring. Well, well yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. again, for people who aren't brain damaged or who have been out for a long time, uh, they're just not interested in that shit, you know. Nice. But for new con- converts, that's very important. It's an important support thing that they need. But for new converts, they're t- particularly the most zealous and the most likely for not having any interaction yeah. with you. So, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's just uh, that that they need a specific type of you know tending to. I think <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. No, I'm not there with the first aid kit. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, Heron, unfortunately, I'm going to have to call it a night, but it's been a pleasure as always. And I think next week, I think we're basically back to normal recording times. I mean, aside from potential spanners and things that could be thrown into the works, I think for listeners as well, we're back to regular recording times. I'm now taking topic suggestions. So if you want to post a topic suggestion on the Stone Facebook group, we'll try to do it some justice as we've tried to do this evening. 
But yes, and I'm certainly open to people communicating directly to me any way they want. Heron underscore Stone on Skype and Heron at Gendo.net for email and on the the um, Stone Ape page. Yeah, I'd really love to talk to anybody who's interested in talking about the stuff that I'm interested in talking about. <laughs> and you can find out that very quickly because Heron will let you know very quickly if he's not interested. Let's take, for example, the weather. Heron will not talk to you about <laughs> well, the weather. Well, probably not, but it depends on the weather. I mean, sometimes uh-huh. the weather is remarkable. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, occasionally it could be the weather. Yeah. And if you're a cute female listener, more likely Heron will want to talk about the weather. Yeah, and we'll want to turn the camera on, too. <laughs> And with that, I'm going to say good night, Eric. Have a good night. (laughs) Good night. See you.